0: well good morning Grumlaw church we are so thankful that all of you decided to come walking through our doors here today and and honestly we really really mean that we, we recognize that that all of you could have been doing a lot of different things this morning and for whatever reason you chose to spend some of your time here with us so again Thank you for giving us a shot, especially uh, those of you who are new around here. Uh, now, today is, is sort of a unique day around here at Grumlaw as we kick off this brand new series titled Controversial Jesus. In, in fact, some of you, you're undoubtedly here because of some of the topics that we're going to be unpacking here over the next 12 weeks. Uh, topics that include the sexual revolution, homosexuality, gender dysphoria, divorce, politics, hell, and, and well, a couple others. Uh, what's particularly unique about this series is the fact that that half of these weeks, one of the campuses will be hearing the message via video, while while the other campus will be hearing it via a live communicator, namely me. If you're new around here, you're likely going to wonder, hey, is this, is this normal? Is this how you guys do things? And the answer to that would be, well, no. Uh, while we have utilized video teaching in the past, uh, usually about two to three times each year, uh, live communicators is the lane that we run in as a church. And To those of you who don't much prefer video teaching, you can just kinda Take a deep breath right now. This isn't something that we are moving to in the future. No, this was a decision made for this specific series uh, because of the topics that we are covering. Uh, and church leadership decided that that some of these topics are just best coming from the lips of the lead pastor. Some content, well, you just kind of need to hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh, by the way, I, I have no idea what that phrase actually means, but, but it sounds right there. So rest assured, uh, no campus will have video teaching two weeks in a row. And I'm not using this as an opportunity, actually, to relax at home. If one campus is hearing a message via video, uh, it means that I am preaching live at the other. And again, if one campus had video teaching one week, it means the next time you'll get me live and the other campus will be getting it via video. Uh, We're being very fair and and diplomatic about this. And yes, I've probably given this way too much thought. Now. Uh, let's ask right here on the front end of this series of talks, the question that's just kind of begging to be asked, a question that some of you, uh, after hearing about this series, have actually very directly asked me, a question that friends have asked me. Uh, Shay, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> I mean, why speak to such hot-button topics that, that are so ripe with landmines, uh, topics that, that are sure to blow the doors of criticism wide open? Uh, A very, mind you, reasonable question to ask and and consider. Uh, I've actually been researching and working out the bones of this series now for about 18 months, and here is the conviction that it's been birthed from. Uh, Very simply, if the church doesn't disciple you, the world sure will. Amen to that? Furthermore, it's not like these topics are being discussed secretly and exclusively amongst your closest friends and family. These topics are being discussed, argued about, in some cases rammed down our throats in such heaping portions in virtually every public space that at a certain point, it would just be kind of odd if the church never brought this stuff up, if we didn't talk about this here amongst our faith family. And to be clear, it's not reactionary or this mentality of, well, everybody else is talking about it, so so I guess we have to. No, no, our heart around here has always been one of presenting scripture in its entirety. Not just the stuff that is fun to talk about, not just the stuff that really sits well with most of us. And if recency bias has actually taught us anything, when we do speak very directly to some of these hot button topics that everyone else has been talking about, but the church for whatever reason has remained strangely silent, uh, more than anything else, we, we actually hear thank you, almost a sense of relief that, that finally there, there's another viewpoint being presented that, that doesn't follow lockstep with this present cultural moment. In fact, I I reminded our creative team leading up to this series beginning, uh, that's the team of people that are responsible for planning these services, uh, because there seemed to be this undertone stewing of like, all right, get ready for all the emails, get ready for all the negative comments. That that, that The last time that we spoke, for instance, very specifically to same-sex attraction, uh, we, I personally, did not receive one negative email, one negative phone call, one negative letter. I mean, it was literally nothing. Instead, I actually received an onslaught of emails and texts saying, thank you, thank you for finally presenting the biblical view on that topic. Shoot, even those who completely disagreed with what scripture teaches, that they were thankful that a different viewpoint was being offered. See, there's a foundational truth that every follower of Jesus must wrestle to the ground at some point. If God says it to us, then it must be best for us. See, the world culture would, would have you take the bait that, that God is this power-hungry control freak whom, whom wants to keep you from having fun. Ne- never mind the fact that that thinking lines up with no logical train of thought. Very simply, if, if God would freely give his one and only son as the once and for all sacrifice for, for our sin problem, why would he then start trying to restrict and, and control our lives? If that's the game that he wanted to play, he could have done that safely from his throne in heaven and it wouldn't have cost him his son. Those of you who are new to this whole Christianity thing, this is again such an important truth that I wish my pastor growing up would have made a way bigger deal about. At the heart of following Jesus is understanding that he is for you. It is why he would freely give his life, again, for you. You see, nearsighted, I'm going to take pot shots at Christianity approach says that God is being restrictive. God's being controlling. But, but those of you who have virtually any understanding of scripture and, and what Jesus would do on the cross for you, you understand that his words aren't restrictive. They rather they're, they're invitations into true freedom, a, a life that's marked by peace and, and joy and contentment and purpose, something that every single one of us, Christian and non-Christian alike, are, are looking for. So much of what Scripture says that that the world would deem controversial, it comes down to God simply attempting to protect you from you. His correction isn't rejection; it's it's love. So so less power hungry swindler, more loving dad attempting to protect his kids from that which is going to cause them harm. That that's that which is going to cause them destruction and. And that which is ultimately gonna lead you and I away from, from the life that, that we're all desperately searching for. Uh, growing up, I was really into BMX. You remember those little bikes, you go off jumps and you try to do like, you know, tail spins and, you know, turn your handlebars a little bit in the air and you thought it was like really cool. and Everybody else was like, you just kind of like went like this real quick. But you know, anyway, I was, I was really into BMX. I loved riding that little bike and going off jumps and all that good stuff. And as it would turn out uh, across the street from where I grew up, there was this patch of woods and some older kids had made like this BMX track with like these really big, uh, if I'm honest, really intimidating jumps. And me and my brothers and some of the neighborhood kids, we would go back there for hours and just launch off of these jumps and try tricks that we probably had uh, no chance of actually landing and just have all kinds of fun, like riding our little bikes and, and thinking that we were like these little daredevils. And, and growing up getting into BMX, I could not stand the fact that my parents made me wear a, a helmet, right? I mean, they're being so restrictive. Now with with a little bit of age under my belt, I, I realized it had nothing to do with them wanting me to look like a nerd, n- nor did it come from a, a heart of control. No, they were just trying to protect me from, from me because they had seen me ride that bike. They knew the tricks that I was trying, that they had seen me bite it enough times that they thought, you know what? I, I know he's not gonna like this initially, but, but we think that he will thank us Eventually. So it is with God. Let me give us a quick example that that we'll actually spend more time unpacking in in future weeks. Uh, In a letter titled Hebrews that we find in the New Testament, which is kind of the second half of the Bible, uh, these words have been preserved for us. It says there, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Scripture goes out of its way to tell us that that sex is reserved for for marriage. Uh, And by the way, it's probably worth noting, uh, God did invent sex. So so we might consider what what he has to say on the subject. So, So how does the world respond to a verse like this? Restrictive, right? I mean, God, he's being such a prude. Or, go down this rabbit trail with me for a second. Maybe God knew what he was talking about. Maybe he's trying to protect us from from ourselves. Maybe this is actually incredibly loving counsel and advice. Because the truth is, and come on, think about this, that this isn't just a Christian thing, this is a human being thing. For, For just about every single person who is seated in this room, when you think about your single biggest regrets in this life, aren't they almost always sexually related? That, that, that one night stand that, that makes you want to, to puke just thinking about it, that the pornography addiction that you carried into your marriage and continues to undermine intimacy with the person that you would say you care about the most, that the, the college boyfriend that you were absolutely convinced that you would marry uh, until you weren't, and now you have to play that whole song and dance with the person who, who you are actually gonna spend the rest of your life with wondering like, okay, how much is he gonna tell me about his past? And that'll kind of dictate how much I tell him about my past. See, see God, again, who, who is sex inventor, it's, it's admittedly not one of his more popular names, uh, maybe he knew what, what so many of us have experienced, that, that, that sex is more than just two bodies coming together to create physical pleasure. That there's something so much deeper that takes place when you engage sexually with another person. And in marriage, admittedly, it's pretty much the best thing ever. But outside of marriage, it creates regrets and memories that are difficult, nearly impossible to ever shake. You create damage to you and the person you're messing around with. And in fact, future relationships when you treat your sexuality loosely. So, so, so maybe he's just trying to, to protect you from, from you. M- maybe his correction isn't rejection and, and it's love. And, and as I often make mention of, think of how incredibly kind this is, right, right? He could just as easily sit back in apathy and think, gosh, these humans, they're so stubborn. They really do think that they know everything. Have fun screwing up your lives, you bunch of idiots but that's not what he does. No, out of an overflow of love, because that is who he is. He isn't loving, God is quite literally love. The only reason in fact that we even know what love is is because he loved us first. Because he is love, out of an overflow of love, he chooses to get involved. We're talking about the God of the universe and he cares so much about you. Yes, specifically you that he chooses to get involved in the details of your life. He is for you. So, so let's back it up. But back to that foundational truth that, that's not just written about in the words of scripture, but backed up by my life and, and the lives of so many other people in this room who, who have decided to actually follow Jesus. If God says it to us, then it must be best for us. You want to know what? Every single time I personally have thought that I've known better, I, uh, I didn't. And every single time I've convinced myself that that couldn't possibly, I mean, that verse, that can't possibly apply to my life. It turns out it, it did. Every time I've told myself, gosh, that, that must have been for those people living like way back when. No way Jesus would say that now. I'm humbled when I'm confronted with the kind, loving truth. And, and so in this series, we're going to present you with, with a different side of the story. I, I know I'm probably a bit biased, but, but not a version of truth, instead the truth. I, I think it's important to present this to you with, with the biblical, the true, the loving viewpoint. So, so you're not hoodwinked into thinking, but, but Shay, everyone believes this stuff. no. Everyone you've been allowed to hear believes this stuff. But but, but I believe, and more importantly, I've experienced, God has a different way, a a better way. A a, a long-term look further down the road that you currently have the ability to see way. A a for you way. So so before I present our our series verse, um, I'd like to pray right now for, for, for all of us who are watching. That, that, that we would have softened hearts to whatever it is that God is going to be speaking to us over these 12 weeks. Trusting that, that when everything inside of us is pushing back, it's, it's not God trying to make our lives more difficult or that he's being controversial for the sake of being controversial, but, but rather he, he's trying to protect you from you. That, that if he says it, it, it must be best. God, we, we thank you that you are a God who speaks We thank you that you are a God who leads. We thank you that you are a God who doesn't give up on us. I I pray that all of us who who are watching, who are listening right now, uh, that we would have softened hearts to receive whatever it is that you are trying to speak to us uh, today and what you're going to be speaking to us here uh, over these next three months or so. You're a good, kind Father. Thanks for not giving up on us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Here's the verse that's proven paramount as I've prepared for this series. We find it in a letter titled 1 Timothy. Uh, It's a letter that that was written by a guy who went by the name of Paul, wrote to his buddy Timothy. Uh, And again, it's been preserved for for you and I. Here in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, there's admittedly a sense of relief as, as I read this verse because it reminds me that that people drifting from sound theology isn't anything new. Uh, otherwise, I don't think Paul would have been reminding his buddy Timothy that, that, that there's always been this propensity for people to kind of pick and choose their way through Scripture, uh, uh, opting in for the stuff that sits well with them and opting out of the stuff that disrupts their life or the lives of the people around them. But, but isn't it interesting that Paul connects right living and right doctrine with life and death? But, but actually, in, in light of everything that we've already presented to this point this morning, it, it kind of makes complete sense, right? If God is trying to protect us from us, then it follows a very logical train of thought that guarding your doctrine. Even and especially the stuff that we find ourselves inherently disagreeing with will not only save, it will not only protect you, but but also those whom you have any level of influence over. Because here's what Paul knew, what what we all actually know. Uh, We drift, left to our own devices, or, or as scripture puts it, when we operate in our flesh, we exclusively drift and you've likely never thought about this before, but the word drift, it never carries a positive connotation. It exclusively implies the negative. We exclusively drift from that which is best for us, what is holy, what is wholesome, what is God-designed. If you don't believe me, think about your eating habits and your spending habits, and your personal health, and your spiritual disciplines, and yes, even your theology, your theological convictions. If it's good for us, we drift from it. In fact, the current of life rarely takes us in the right direction. I mean, have any of you ever drifted into working out and taking care of your body? Have any of you ever drifted into breaking that habit? So it shouldn't be all that surprising that we find ourselves a part of a culture where even entire faith communities, entire churches have fallen victim to this. That if you don't like something that the pastor presents, even if it's straight from scripture, you just go find the church that will better align with what you prefer. This is called human nature. It is the gravitational pull of sin and our flesh. Let me kind of just give you a couple of examples from, from my own life. And, and just a quick disclaimer here, uh, none of what I am about to say is intended to be a judgment on you if you don't have similar convictions. Uh, I'm just being really honest and, and really vulnerable right now. Uh, th- this is kind of the slow drift uh, that has occurred in, in my life over these last couple of years in particular. Um, when I first graduated from college, for example, um, when a company would take a stand for something that I felt was antithetical to the words of scripture, I would almost immediately write that company off, I would boycott it, I I would declare, I will never support you again. And, And I did not honestly extend that leash very far. Now we fast forward to today, and I find myself, even when companies again take very bold stands for things that I completely disagree with, again things that completely contradict the words of Scripture. I find myself using excuses like, "Yeah, but it's just it's just so convenient," and man, like giving up that that would just kind of like inconvenience my life. So, so I don't know, I don't know if I'm like quite ready to do that. I, I definitely drifted in that area. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, uh, my wife and I, probably like many of you, we were watching like a lot of shows, a, a bunch of miniseries together, right? But you're just like so bored. There was nothing to do. You're like, I guess we'll just watch like another show. And, and all of a sudden, one night, the Holy Spirit just kind of like rained down conviction. And I realized, I'm like, we are watching a lot of shows that when we first got married, like I would have turned off the minute that scene came on, the minute that that language was, was used. But, but there was a drift that, that had occurred where, where my tolerance and my threshold for, for what would cause me to turn off that movie or turn off that program, it, it had gone the wrong direction. And, and I had to confess and ask my wife for forgiveness and said, we are pressing the reset button on this. We're not watching any of these shows anymore. Uh, l- let me maybe use a more controversial one right now. Um, I remember... Um, when, when gay marriage was like a topic of conversation and, and, and how involved should the church get in in this and how, how much should we push back against this? And I remember, if I'm just being really honest, like really caring about that, really like having something inside me, like, man, no, we need to defend this, the, the biblical view of marriage. Well, we'll fast forward to, to today and I kind of had to check myself. I'm like, do I even care now? Or, or do I often honestly just take the position like, man, that, that ship has just sort of sailed. It's not that big of a deal. We got bigger fish to fry at this point. And, and again, by the way, if, if you're watching right now and that little deal right there didn't sit particularly well with you, we have a week coming up we were going to be talking about same-sex attraction uh, and homosexuality. I, I would encourage you to please come back where we have a more extensive dialogue around that subject. In and of itself, let me back up here, are, are any of these issues like these huge, massive deals? Well, depending on who you are, you might think so or not think so. But, but cumulatively, what, what has happened? There, there's a drift that has occurred in my life. So, so Paul, ob- observing this, probably in himself and others, uh, understanding that, hey, like all people experience this, he, he gives us a very stern warning. Not not just to Timothy, but, but to all of us. It's been, again, preserved for us. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I have seen so many pastors, some of them dear friends, so many churches over the last couple of years, to take very public stands in support of outright heresy not gray areas, black and white issues in scripture and they have chosen to walk in the complete opposite direction, completely contradicting God's word. How how did they get there? I will tell you for every one of those examples that's rifling through my head right now, it wasn't overnight. It was a slow drift. Paul would write to the early Christian church in Rome, uh, honestly, an environment and a context, not not too dissimilar to what we are experiencing right now in America. He he would implore the the early Christian church in Rome, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and, and perfect. Even though each of you are seated in a church today, uh, every single one of us are getting a whole lot more of the world than we are the the, the word. None of us stand a chance unless you are investing in your personal relationship with Jesus and pre-deciding to place his word over the world. And then it tells us again, as Paul writes, God will transform you into a new person by changing the way you think as you meditate on his good, pleasing, true word. Here's where I'm gonna land the plane this morning. Ever since Jesus left this earth some 2000 years ago, Christians, so to be clear, this is primarily an, an inside job. Christians have chosen one of two paths for their savior, Jesus. He's either my mascot, or my Lord. Now, it might sound like I'm trying to be cute for the sake of this message, but, but this has been going on throughout church history. See, if he's your mascot, you pick and choose your way through his teachings, celebrating and elevating the stuff that you like, and then kind of blatantly ignoring the stuff that you don't like, or as I often say, uh, the stuff that disrupts your life or the lives of the people that you care deeply about. Even worse, oftentimes, uh, when he's my mascot, I'll take certain teachings from Jesus wildly out of context to support very unbiblical causes. Uh, Let me give you an example of arguably the most prevalent. Love your neighbor as yourself, a a true teaching from Jesus, which in this cultural moment, though, it, it is weaponized. It's weaponized, for instance, to support virtually every view on human sexuality. Love begins to be reduced to celebrate. But but let us remind ourselves, Jesus does not submit himself to our causes. Our causes must submit themselves to Jesus. And this is the path of my Lord. Submission to his teachings even and especially when when it disrupts every bone in my body. Because to return to that thought from earlier, we trust that he has our best interest in mind. He's trying to protect us from ourselves, that that, that if he said it, it must be best for us. We have submitted to him as my Lord. Let me give us a super practical way that we see this flesh itself out, uh, in particular on social media. Who, by a show of hands, has ever seen a list like this? I'm serious. Like, Put your hand up if you've seen a list like this. We, probably most of us have. Jesus, he fed the hungry, and he loved the poor. He was a person of color and an immigrant refugee. He was outraged at systemic injustice. He elevated women. He defied the patriarchy. He eschewed religious power dynamics. He gave health care to those who couldn't afford it. Be like Jesus. Now, now none of that is, is untrue, but 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 what is going on here is I'm going to very carefully lift up those things that I love about Jesus because he's my mascot, and, and, and I'm going to ignore this this other list that that could also read Jesus. He fought for the traditional definition of marriage. He opposed sex outside of heterosexual marriage. He loved his country. He defied cultural elites. He chose twelve men to lead the church. He, he affirmed that gender is defined by biology. He fought for the infallibility of the Bible. He was a part of the traditional father and mother family. He affirmed the sanctity of the unborn life. Be like Jesus. Now, now, come on. Which one of these lists gets applauded and shared and which one gets you booed and skewered on social media? As followers of Jesus, if he is your Lord, you don't get to pick and choose aspects of Jesus that make him the mascot of your personal cause. Instead, our lives submit to him. It's easy, and we say this all the time, it's easy to adopt Jesus as your savior. He paved the way for that and made it incredibly simple. I mean, y'all, he predicted his own death and resurrection and then actually pulled that off. But it is hard, it is hard to follow, to, to submit to his lordship. Paul also makes note of, and again, his letter to the Christian church in Rome. He says, notice, and I love this observation, notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But but if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. Now, now we usually don't think of someone as both kind and severe. It's like, well, you got to pick a lane. You're either kind or you're severe. But, But this is exactly who God is. He's severe to those who reject him, those, for instance, who selectively pick and choose their way through his word, but, but he's kind to those who trust him, those who submit to him, but those who submit to him as Lord. But, but even as I say that, don't allow those words to get twisted. His severity is still an exercise of his kindness. His correction, again, I will remind us, isn't rejection, it's love. But Paul goes on actually to tell us that that God will go out of his way to graft you back in, that he is quick to extend mercy, he is quick to extend forgiveness, that if there are parts of this book that you have been wholeheartedly rejecting, but you say, you know what, God, no, I'm gonna trust you. If you said it, it must be best for us. You will get grafted right back on into the family. So, so, So let us as a church watch our lives and doctrine closely, persevere in them, Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I wanted to intentionally, at the end of this here, carve out some time for for repentance and and renewal. And, And to plainly ask the question where have you been compromising? Where have you been drifting? Let us as a faith community this morning renew our commitment to his word. Reminding ourselves that if he says it, it must be best for us. I'm asking us as a faith community today to to declare, Jesus, no longer, no longer are you only my savior. No longer will I treat you as a mascot. You are instead my Lord, take some time right now and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Reflect on that passage. Uh, Allow God to transform your thoughts as you live in, as you abide in his word. His word, again, this gift that has been preserved for you and I.